Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host Jay Kumar, editor-in-chief of EHS Daily Advisor. This week I talked to John Ho of Cozen O'Connor about OSHA's new guidance on penalties. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by John Ho, co-chair of the OSHA Workplace Safety Practice at Cozen O'Connor. Welcome, John. Uh, thanks for having me, Jay. Thanks for being here. Um, and before we kind of start talking about uh, about OSHA's new guidance, uh, I wanted you to tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do at Cozen O'Connor. Sure. Um, first, thanks for asking. So as you mentioned, I'm a partner at Cozen O'Connor in their New York City office. Uh, I co-chair the OSHA Workplace Safety Practice Group. Um, have other couple of roles. I also chair the firm's Asian Resource Group and sit on the lateral uh, committee as well. So I've got a couple of different hats, but um, I spend a lot of my time working on our OSHA matters across the country. Excellent. Well, let's talk about uh, OSHA's new guidance to make penalties more effective. Uh, what does the guidance say, and what does this mean for employers? Sure. So. There's actually two separate um, enforcement guidances that recently came out, although they, are, they, are, they certainly overlap and sort of touch upon the same issue, which is increasing the breadth of OSHA's enforcement tools. Um, they were both issued on January 26, 2023. The first one, which I think has probably gotten rightfully so more attention, because I think if you really look at it and if OSHA enforces it aggressively, is going to result in potentially significantly more penalties per inspection. And that's the instance by instance enforcement guidance, Jay. Mm-hmm. And what that does is it, uh, OSHA obviously looks at penalties, the amount of penalties as a deterrence for employers, right? They want to, you know, say to employers, look, obviously if you get caught with these things, we're going to sort of hit you where it hurts, um, you know, in the wallet, in the pocketbook, whatever it may be. Um, and so it's, OSHA's had an instance-by-instance enforcement policy, you know, established back, I think, in 1990, but it was only limited to situations where inspections had revealed really egregious, willful type of citations. And, you know, I can tell you that having done this for over 20 years and as part of my, um, before I came into private practice, I actually prosecuted OSHA claims for a number of years. And during that entire time period, I, I never had actually both on the prosecutorial side and on the defense side, instance by instance matter. So they are quite rare historically, but in those situations, you know, OSHA had said, look, the wording of certain regulations would allow us to cite an employer each instance something happens. So take fall, uh, take like PPE, for example, for example, like a hard hat. So if an inspector came on site, you had to have a hard hat because of the potential for falling hazards, and you had, say, you know, five uh, employees out there not wearing hard hats. What you would normally see, Jay, is you know one citation um, for a you know lack of a hard hat, a, you know, a PPE citation. But the instance by instance, again, historically, if it was a really egregious case and, and willful, they could have cited you for each instance where that what where each employee was supposed to wear a hard hat. Mm-hmm. So, so clearly, if you've got five different items, you're compounding the penalties much more aggressively, and it starts to add up pretty quickly. Um, so, so earlier this year, OSHA has expanded the use of the instance by instance to say, okay, we're not going to just limit it to egregious willful cases. It's going to apply to all high gravity serious violations, looking at 
you know, certain factors such as whether the employer had received a willful repeat or failure to abate within the last five years, if the employer had failed to report a fatality or inpatient hospitalization or amputation, loss of an eye, if it's triggering the, triggering the affirmative um, reporting obligation rule, <clears throat> if the proposed citations relate to a fatality in catastrophe, and when the proposed record-keeping citations are related to an injury or illness that occurred as a result of a serious hazard. So it's still, you still need to sort of get there, but what you need, what OSHA needs to find has now been significantly reduced to a, a much broader area where this could potentially be cited a lot more. Um, what led to these changes? Was there, uh, was it a certain incident or uh, just something that, uh, you know, was raised by, you know, somebody uh, in government? What was, what was sort of the, uh, the factor that led to these, these additional, uh, uh, this additional guidance? Yeah, I, you know, obviously a very good question. Um, I don't, you know, the, the guidance obviously just talks about wanting to create more of a deterrence effect, which we just talked about. But if, in my opinion, if you look back, I mean, when Biden, you know, was first running, you know, for office for the presidency, I mean, he made clear that, um, you know, OSHA and increasing inspections was going to be a priority for okay. him. I, I don't think it's, you know, unfair to say that, you know, this is a very pro-union administration compared to, you know, most Republican administrations. Sure. So I think he's following through on that, and some might remember um, the the original the original version of Build Back Better had actually a proposal to increase OSHA fines to seventy thousand dollars per serious violation, right? And that was rejected, not not surprisingly. But I think this is their way. This is OSHA's way of saying, okay, like you know, we we want to we want to deter folks. Obviously, Congress didn't approve that. So what what do we have in our toolbox, so to speak, right now that that we can use? So I think that's all driving, you know, these new enforcement memos. Uh, what's your take on it? Do you think it's going to be effective uh, in terms of, you know, getting companies to kind of, uh, you know, pay more attention to safety or, or do you feel it's going to be something that's just sort of, you know, and they'll just get used to it after a while. Well, I, I mean, money is obviously always important for, you know, for businesses. But in, when you when companies are resolving those citations, particularly with when there's a serious injury or fatality, I mean, money is not, you know, usually even the first priority, right? There, there are other considerations you have to sort of take into account for. Look, if, if the regional offices and the various area offices are going to aggressively impose this and I, I've got some doubts on how aggressive you know that will be and then, you know it certainly might be more for one area of the country or one area office but you know at, at the end of the day yes I mean if, if and there's no such thing really as an average citation J Ray because it really depends on you know what OSHA finds and that can be very different depending on a lot of different factors but you know you take a pretty standard OSHA investigation and you know you come up with twenty or thirty thousand dollars worth of penalties I mean, just from a pure cost-benefit analysis, there's not a whole lot of incentive to litigate those cases, right? Even if you like, even if you got good defenses, because you're going to spend, you know, in most cases, significantly more than that litigating it all the way through. Now, if those, you know, those citations, where historically maybe you got hit with thirty grand, are now 
100 grand, I mean, that creates a lot of incentive for employers to contest these citations. So yeah. I, I think it's certainly going to potentially um, have employers dig in more. Um, but I, but I will also share with you, as I mentioned, I, you know, my, I come from the solicitor, the solicitor's office, which is the legal arm of the U.S. Department of Labor that would prosecute these social claims. I don't want to say it's easy, Jay, to issue citations, but obviously an inspector goes out, a COSHA goes out there, and if they want to do it instance by instance, right, I mean, it's not a whole lot of work, then there's some, you know, there's some procedures that's like, set forth in the enforcement memo on, you know, what you have to do to issue those. And it's, as you might suspect, there's some more approval process and, and things of that sort. But at the end of the day, once that's issued, they have to litigate that, right? So, yeah. and I don't know if the solicitor's office is going to have the manpower that the, the lawyers, quite frankly, all of a sudden their caseload's going to grow from, you know, X cases per month that are normally contested to X plus 20, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I think they're going to have a resource issue to to enforce that, but will it force more employers into actually contesting? I I think so. If 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 in fact um, you know they're doing this aggressively, and I'm guessing that they didn't increase staffing at OSHA to uh, to handle more you know uh, citations or inspections, right? Well, actually, they have. So oh, I, yeah. I okay, I'm wrong. So, um, so, and again, I mean, this is coming in with, when, when Biden took office, right, is, you know, we all know folks that follow this space. I mean, he wanted to really um, increase OSHA's staffing and they got a lot more money, right? And actually I read, I think it was a, a Bloomberg Law report that in 2022, fiscal year um, of 2022, last year, OSHA, the number of OSHA inspectors increased by almost, almost I think 19%, so almost 20%. Which is the first time it's uh, it's had that that kind of increase. It's been either going down or stagnant. So, you're, I think employers, because of the increase in funding, which is now starting to hit, right, actually recruiting and retention and seeing more inspectors, that businesses are you know should sort of prepare for increased inspections just based on the sheer numbers. But again, that is just the OSHA field office numbers. I haven't seen any data that suggests that the hiring at the legal level, you know, is coming close to that. So I think that's where the problem is going to lie is, you know, citing it is one thing, but then having the, you know, the, the solicitors, lawyers actually prosecute all of those cases is something else. Yeah. Well, I mean, is that sort of why IBIs haven't been used that, that often in the past is just that, that increased, you know, level of work and, and complication. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, you know, I'm not. I, I'm not sure that it was necessarily a, um, a resource issue at the attorney level. I think it will become one if they are much more aggressive. Obviously, with the reasons we just talked about. But I think again, you know, historically on the, on this front, right? I mean, some administrations are more aggressive than others. But I, I think they just wanted it limited to these really these willful egregious type of situations. And now that. You know, you know, I don't know how much, you know, the, the COVID scenarios changed this. Obviously, you know, to the height of COVID, you know, OSHA became a household name, right? Where where prior to it, like unless you're in construction or, or, or manufacturing or, or, you know, have the unfortunate to have a serious injury or fatality, you, you probably didn't have a whole lot of contact with OSHA. And now 
that they've got, you know, a lot more press through the COVID because, you know, it affects everything from law offices, right, you know, to, um, you know, to hospitality industries. Uh, that may have given them a little bit, you know, some uh, I, some press that they're now pushing forward sure. um, because people know them more. So it's it's a guess, but I but I think that you know, might be, you know, if you're asking me what's driving, that might have something to do with it as well. Um. So what would you tell employers, uh, you know, who are kind of bracing for this, uh, you know, in terms of obviously avoiding accidents and potential lawsuits? What, you know, what should employers kind of do to get ready? Well, I, I mean, again, if you are, I mean, you know, as we are hopefully, you know, with COVID squarely in the rearview mirror and fading away, I mean, OSHA's also made very clear that they're they're going to turn their resources back to more traditional safety and health issues, right? And so so I think, you know, if you are an industry that, again, construction and manufacturing, there are certainly two that um, has been focused on, you you really have to, you're not stop paying attention to COVID, obviously, but mm -hmm. it just really go back to sort of the nuts and bolts of what, you know, OSHA is there for, and that's the, you know, more of the traditional safety and health issues. And, you know, like many of your listeners, I'm sure know, OSHA every year publishes a top 10 violation citation list, right? Mm -hmm. It's out for last year. So to the extent your, you know, company's not sure sort of where to start, it's always good to look at that list, right? And, and determine, okay, do I have any of these hazards in the workplace? Because again, just on sheer numbers, if OSHA comes in, you know, statistics would indicate that's where they're going to be looking and that's where they're going to find problems. So that's always a good that's always a good starting point. And, you know, the, the, the citations and the standards on that list will sometimes change, but for the most part, they're pretty, what's on the list is usually what's on the list. The order might change a little bit, but um, so again, that gives you a pretty good um, starting point. But, but I, you know, this isn't, I'm certainly not the first one to say this, but I, but it's developing a safety culture, right? A safety culture starts from the top and moves its way down, right? That that employees need to know that senior management all the way up to the CEO takes safety and health seriously. They talk about it, right? They put them where their mouth is, right? They make sure all the employees have the resources, the training, the right equipment. I mean, those things you really can't substitute about, you know, what goes into creating a, you know, creating that safety culture, you know, it's going to depend, you know, on either your size, your industry, you know, and other, and other factors, but, that's the overall goal. What has been the general reaction that you've heard about this, you know, this sort of new guidance? Well, right. I mean, it certainly, you know, got a lot of publicity. I mean, it, yeah. it just became effective, right? I, I think it was two, two months after it was first published. So late, late March. So I haven't seen it yet, Jay. I haven't seen any citations that have um, followed this approach. Um, but we're keeping an eye on it. And again, I mean, it's not that any particular area office has to do it this way, or it's not like a must, but it's just now a new tool in their belt. So, you know, it will be curious to see, you know, how aggressive, you know, different parts of the region and even within the same region, how the, the area offices approach this. Um, and, and again, if they are aggressive, then you're going to see a lot more um, filings on the Osherick docket than, than you have. But, you know, so far, you know, a couple of weeks, you know, into this, I, we haven't seen it yet. 
and and that also goes to the other enforcement memo that I that I mentioned that was issued on the same day, which you know reminded area offices that you know historically they've grouped citations together where you, you know they're related or one you know one abatement could abate them all, and they're saying look look you don't have to do that. Here are some things you should consider, and you know that that would mean instead of getting a group citation where although you have to abate each individual one, there's no penalties except for the first, so it could have you know one citation with five items, and there's only one penalty. Now you separate those, you know, instead of grouping, you know, those five together, you you cite them as separate violations. That's again, you know, five times, you know, the the penalty, assuming that they're the same amount. So both those enforcement memos really go to the heart of what OSHA is trying to do, and which is increase the financial penalty in hopes that that incentivizes employers to pay more attention to their safety and health practices. And I mean, you know, you mentioned that when Biden came into office, he kind of hinted that he was going to get, you know, a little more, a little stronger with enforcement. So did did this really not come as a surprise uh, to folks in, you know, in industry? Yeah. I mean, I, I, the, Again, the, the the instance by instance was so rarely used that I think pulling was sort of dust, you know, blowing off the dust of that one probably was, you know, more of a surprise. But the fact that, you know, OSHA was going to get more funding, have more inspectors out there, be more aggressive, you know, generally speaking, and, it, you know, it's probably not necessarily true for every single shift in um, political party. But, you know, when, when the Democrats, you know, holds the presidency, they tend to focus more on enforcement actions, right? the citations, doing a lot of rulemaking, which, you know, all of us who are in the OSHA space knows that OSHA's got much more aggressive in rulemaking and we're expecting some significant standards, like a heat standard, um, you know, to, to be published soon. And right. as opposed to write as a, as a Republican, you know, president usually focuses much more on compliance, right, issuing opinion letters, standard interpretations and, and things of that sort. So, you know, the, the the shift from Trump to Biden, certainly all of us expecting more aggressive enforcement action and, and, and much more aggressive rulemaking, which, you know, you know, which which has come to pass. And I think we'll continue to to see that. And I suppose if, you know, the, you know, the next election's uh, not too far away, if it goes the other way and the Republicans get back in, could this be reversed or at least watered down? Yeah, I, I mean, and we, you know, we we saw that, right? So when, um, you know, going back, I mean, one of the new rulemaking we're expected to see is changes to the to the electronic rulemaking process, right? Where certain employers have to um, file their OSHA forms electronically directly to OSHA, and that was originally started in the Obama administration. Then when the Trump administration took over, they really rolled it back. They cited privacy concerns, but this new rule that the Biden administration is now um, pretty close to passing, it sounds like, is going to essentially revert back to Obama's version mm-hmm. and require a lot more information. So, so yes, I mean, that you know, you hate to see at some level like these kinds of shifts that create significant differences through administrations. I, but OSHA's not, I mean, they're susceptible to it. I mean, certainly not as much as maybe like the National Labor Relations Board, but, right. but, 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 yeah, but I mean, I think there certainly could be some rolling back of some of these things, depending on how much industry groups, uh, you know, want to pressure a Republican, you know, administration. Um, so that, that is always a potential out there. 
And so, and like you mentioned, this just sort of, they just started sort of uh, enforcing these changes. So I guess we'll kind of have to keep an eye out and see how, how, uh, how much actually uh, is cited, right? Over the next few yeah. months. Yeah. I, again, I mean, we're only a couple of weeks past the effective date. And, and it, look, it's not going to, you know, I don't think OSHA certainly is eyeing on, you know, and again, there are guidelines that they have to use, some of which I just mentioned. So I, I think your run-of-the-mill, right, OSHA inspection you know, when nobody's hurt and it's like, and it's a, you know, it's a company with no OSHA histories. I, I don't think that's going to be the case where you see this, but, but again, based on the factors that they, you know, that they are suggesting that you have to look at, it certainly increases the possibility that, um, you know, you, you, you are going to see these and it's just a matter of when, and then we'll see what, you know, we'll see what it looks like. I mean, I'd be curious to see, right. I mean, if you walk onto a work site and like I said, just use the hard hazard example, just cause it's pretty easy. I mean, if, you know, if, a whole group just gets onto the work site, right? And it's all about sort of mitigating and aggravating factors. But you know, there's there's ten there's ten employees on the work site. You know that that the, the OSHA the compliance officer is like sitting in his car, looking looking across the work site, taking notes. I mean, are they really going to cite each person ten times, right? Or, right. or are they going to use some discretion and maybe cite three of them? I mean, you know, so they're obviously going to be fact-by-fact fact determinations, but it, it will be curious to see how aggressive they are and if they use the, the full force of the um, the guidelines and the enforcement letter and how hard they sort of come down on employers. Or, or are they really going to still reserve it for, right, employers that might have history, right? I mean, obviously, the, the guidance talks about repeats and willfuls. So I so I still think it will be limited, but, but certainly not as much as just egregious willful cases. Yeah, well, should be interesting. Uh, John, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. Yeah, my pleasure. Happy to be here. And Jay, thanks for having me. All right. That wraps up episode 155 of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time.